Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at MindBuddyGreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. Tim Brown is the co-founder of one of our favorite brands here at MindBuddyGreen, the sustainable footwear company, Allbirds. He's a former professional soccer player from New Zealand whose passion for simplicity and sustainability led him to create, according to Time Magazine, the world's most comfortable shoe. Allbirds is clearly one of the most innovative and disruptive companies in the world right now and currently valued at over $1 billion. Tim, so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's, It's fantastic to be here. So let's talk about the accent because it play, you, you're a Kiwi, you're from New Zealand, but you're not just a regular Kiwi. You were a professional soccer player. So let's talk about the journey from professional soccer player, World Cup, to the founder of Allbirds. It, it's the seamless transition that everyone makes. Yeah, yeah. well, the, the accent is, is well, hopefully everyone can understand what I'm saying as a, as a starting point. I, uh, I grew up in New Zealand. I uh, came to university here on a soccer scholarship and then uh, began a professional soccer career that ended up going for about a decade. And the business that was to become Allbirds was born while I was still playing soccer uh, in response to a, you know, a few things that were part of my life, a few personal you know, kind of uh, problems that I, I, I saw around, uh, around footwear that was over-logoed and over-designed. And I ultimately set out to, to try and make shoes with no sense of how you do that or any sense of the industry. And really it was what I could only sort of term a curiosity project really that became ultimately a business. So what does that curiosity project look like? You know, it's like you're playing soccer, you have this idea around all birds and then what are the, like, how long does that process take while you're playing? And then when in the process do you say like, all right, we got a brand here, we got a company and so forth. Well, it's, it's, it's I mean, the, the, the playing sport for, for a living was, 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 a, was a dream come true. And it was also incredibly mentally demanding. And um, the demands of training every day and then performing and then ultimately winning and uh, or trying to win. Uh, and so what I found was that my afternoons were largely free and I needed something to do that wasn't, focusing on my job and it ultimately became uh, about reading and about discovery and ultimately about um, business and, and brands became just a, a really interesting sort of uh, space for me to explore and ultimately the idea of, of making a shoe was a, a reaction to actually the, the product I got for free as an athlete um, and a belief that it was very very hard to find simple uh, and what I mean by that was every sort of I used to get free shoes. It was kind of like the coolest thing about playing sport. Sure, but it you know it had logos and changed all the time, seemingly for no reason. And so I I, be, I believed probably very naively or absolutely naively that there was an opportunity to kind of create something better. And I set out to try and do that. And I, I really had no idea. I mean, it was literally jump on Google, find a factory, visit in my off season. I mean, I look back on, on kind of the early beginnings of of the journey of all birds and I sort of think what was I doing and what what was the duration when did that occur so I mean this would literally be sort of circa 2009 like 
Um, and Allbirds didn't launch until the 1st of uh, March 2016. Wow, so seven years. Yeah. and Overnight it, success. Well, I mean, I, it, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, and it, the, 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 the business that uh, Joe and I um, built, uh, have built over the last sort of three years or nearly three years at, at Allbirds has, you know, has had some success. And I think um, people overlook the fact that there was sort of five or six years of of it being a bad idea before <laughs> before it became even remotely a good one, and that's that's been true for me twice now because in in my sporting career, you know there was a, there was a real struggle for a long time for many many years uh, when you know trying to find my first contract, trying to sort of make it work, um, and then. Uh, was very very fortunate to go to the World Cup in 2010 with New Zealand, and then everyone wants to be a friend there. <laughs> you know, so so, so I, I've I've seen the arc of, of that that trajectory twice, and um, I think you know particularly where we live in San Francisco, particularly in the context of entrepreneurship, people want to believe in the myth of the overnight success. It's just easier. It's easier to swallow <laughs> uh, that you wake up one day and you have a good idea, and and the reality is boom unicorn. It's not how it works, and in the case of of Allbirds, the pain of trying to make this work and for so long not being sure that it was possible um, is ultimately, you know, if, 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 if there's anything, that struggle is, is sort of why we've had some success because we, we work so hard at it. So what were the core, the early core principles of Allbirds which carried through to today? So the first time I, I went into the, uh, a footwear factory, I saw an industry that was remarkably conservative and old-fashioned in the way that it thought. It hadn't really changed largely in 100 years in the way that shoes are made. Um, reliant on, on, on low-cost uh, manufacturing and labour and with what I would sort of kind of call a prevailing low-cost mentality in the way that it approached things and the way that shoes were made and, and what they're made out of. And sort of an saw an opportunity to do things differently. And what I've, I subsequently have, have found to be my innovation alarm was going off because I was asking very, very simple questions, very, very naive questions because I knew nothing about how shoes were made and I wasn't getting very good answers. I was getting confusing answers. And it ultimately sort of propelled me to, to go and find you know better answers to, to the questions that, that I was asking. So let's talk about what I'll call the three S's. Simplicity, sustainability, and sheep. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's, the, the, the first insight was around simple design and it was the belief that um, the world didn't need lots more shoes. It needed one that was very, very simple and it was very, very hard to find simplicity in a, in a, in a category that changed all the time. It was the first insight. Then I set out to you know, try and make a shoe and I stumbled into an industry that largely made shoes out of synthetics and not very nice leathers and saw an opportunity to innovate with different types of materials and that led... Uh, you know, me as a Kiwi from the land of 27-odd million sheep to wool. And that ultimately became the purpose of the business when we realised that there was an opportunity to make products that were not only more comfortable and that were better, but were also better for the environment. And so that, that really became the three things that, that are the founding pillars of Allbirds, simple design, comfort and sustainability. And, and those three things have been our complete focus as a brand um, since we launched. Talk a little bit more about the sheep. When I first heard about Allbirds, I was like, "Oh wow, this is this is interesting. This is unique." It seems it's it's one of those things that um, seemed maybe obvious. Why why haven't shoes been made out of wool before? And any any good Kiwi will know that um, wool wicks away moisture, regulates temperature. It's this miracle fiber. And um, you know, I grew up uh, with 
jumpers that were sweaters that were knitted by my uh, you know my grandma and, and wore them to school out of wool. It was, it was sort of wool as a as a big part of New Zealand's history. And the idea that it hadn't been used in, in, in shoes before seemed like one of those things that was was an oversight or a miss. And I set out to try and work out why that hadn't happened. And the short answer was because it's very very hard. <laughs> uh, and it was a you know years long journey to actually sort of innovate with the material, and that's non trivial and difficult. And the second part of it is the whole entire footwear industry is is largely reliant on a wholesale way of doing business with a, an intermediary, usually between the person that makes the product and the person that buys the product. And so it creates a situation where, you know, you tend to have to make shoes quite cheaply um, because of the margin structure. And so as a direct... Give us an example of that, typical margin. Like- you know, you're buying a pair of, you know, shoes for, you know, from Foot Locker for 100 bucks. 50, 50, 50 bucks for that is going to the retailer. Yep. And you know, the manufacturer needs to make something. So it wasn't yeah. like a $2 product. It, you just basically, there's, there's cost pressure everywhere you go in footwear. And the opportunity for us as a business to go direct to consumer, cut out the middleman, which is obviously a, you know, an often told story in, in startups at the moment where you know, these large, often old-fashioned categories are being disrupted by a different, a different model of business, largely involving online uh, e-commerce, but also in, in our particular case, retail. And it allows you to invest in materials, invest in, um, in our particular case, purpose, sustainability, and uh, also to have a, a kind of a one-on-one relationship with your with your customer. And that was uh, that that unlocked a whole world of opportunity and potential in in, in not only wool but also you know more broadly in, in a, a range of other uh, materials that we now use in our products. What other materials? So we, we started with wool. We added uh, eucalyptus fiber, which was a really great success for us about you know a, cu- a couple of years in, just before our second birthday. And then most recently, probably our biggest material moment, we, we added uh, uh, EVA is one of the most commonly used materials in footwear. It's sort of on the sole of most sneakers that you wear. It's sort of a light, cushy foam. And uh, we found a way to take out the petrol and replace it with sugarcane and uh, launched a material called Sweet Foam, which is the world's first green EVA that we oh, interesting. that we made in partnership with... You're putting uh, sugarcane to good use. Yeah, and it was, it was really, really one of those moments where, you know, uh, on the long journey to kind of create something and build a brand, you're like, we're on the right track. We, we partnered with a, a really large energy company from Brazil. It, it took a number of years to sort of convince them that this was a good idea. And we launched this material a few months ago called Sweet Foam. In its raw form, the material is carbon negative, which was a huge sort of moment. And uh, and then we made it open source. So we made it available to the entire footwear industry to use. So it was one of those moments where it felt like we were really fulfilling on you know, some of the reasons why we set out to sort of create the business in the first place. Have other people, that, that's like a bold move. That's not open source. When I think of open source, I think of like coding and technology. It doesn't really, not commonplace in your industry, is it? it? It's traditionally, it's, it's about secrets and not right. sharing. Ultimately, I think for us to fulfill our vision and be part of what we believe is, you know, a revolution in the way things are going to be made, a new, a new revolution in sustainable manufacturing that we think is, has started um, then it's not something we're going to do alone, that we need to be part of a larger movement where people find better ways to make stuff. And that's footwear, it's fashion more broadly, but it's kind of everything. It's, I think, you know, the problem of our generation, and it's why Joey and I started Allbirds, to be honest, and we go to the core of what this business stands for. It's, it's, it's trying to do, you know, do things in a better way. And so 
we need to do that as part of a larger movement, not by ourselves. Sure, sustainability too. It's like how can you not think about it with you know California recently, the, the fires. Um, it's it's just insane. It's, it's hard not to think about. Yeah, and sort of outside of the fossil fuel industry, the fashion industry is the largest Worst. contributor of, of carbon emissions. Um, there's 20 billion pairs of shoes a year made on average, largely made out of not very nice stuff. And you know the, the short answer is an in- incredibly complex problem. It, can actually be solved if you make it a non-negotiable and you create business models that allow you to invest in the right materials and you think about sustainability not as a nice to have but as a Mm non-negotiable and also you don't assume that consumers buy sustainability they buy great products so make the best product you can but make sustainability a non-negotiable in the way that you approach that. And I think if, you know, the the industry as a whole, the fashion industry and more broadly, I mean, I think that moment is 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 upon us. I mean, the, the UN report that you refer to sort of said, it came out a few months ago, that you know, we've got 12 years to reverse the impact of global warming we reach some sort of irreversible tipping point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the moment is kind of now. And I don't think it's about consumers changing their behavior, although I think that's a part of it. I, I think it's fundamentally about businesses changing the way they operate and, and the way that they think about making things. So in terms of making things and being an innovator in this field, like who inspired you along this way? I'm curious, like what brands, what leaders? You know, uh, it's, it's, it's a great question. And look, t- the, the first point of inspiration was my co-founder, Joey. I mean, he'd come from the renewable materials space, working for a large uh, biotech company with frustrations in the slowness of the adoption of, of the right materials. And so, you know, that, that really was the, the first inspiration for what has become the purpose of Allbirds. And then most notably, we met quite early on and spent some time with a guy called Eric Ryan, who's one of the founders of Method. Sure. Uh, really impressive guy. And we were talking about, you know, the problem that we saw in footwear and in fashion and, and belief that there was a real opportunity to, to make better products but make them with sustainability in mind and he said to us he gave us some really interesting advice he said great go do that don't talk about it everyone should be behaving that way and the fact they're not is an opportunity and so seize it but don't uh, pat yourself on the back this isn't you know (laughs) this is a very you know a difficult thing and not something that you know um, you should be shouting from the rooftops about it's something you should do and so we've tried to build a, a you know a brand focused on on making products that are about comfort, not about sustainability. And we've tried to really learn and understand and improve and and make sustainability an internal purpose, not an outward you know thing that we we talk about as as as, as much because it's a, a very very complicated topic and, and and sort of something that is you know can always be improved on. And that's you know Eric was really really helpful in sort of framing that. In the, in the early days. So looking back, most recently, uh, you guys are in the Unicorn Club, apparently worth over a billion dollars. Um, so leading the way, as we talk about startups and direct-to-consumer, uh, you've definitely built an incredibly strong brand and, and one that is focused on purpose, purpose and sustainability, which is really powerful. Um, but looking back, when you launched in 16, did you have any idea? <laughs> <laughs> where you would be today a couple of years later and how fast and what people are responding to? Um, as an entrepreneur, I think you, you have a, 
a, a vision for what you want to create, a problem that you're trying to solve, and you set out to kind of do that. And um, I, I don't think that either Joey or I could have imagined the type of traction that we would get with that idea. So the short answer is is no. And this has been a, a wild and wonderful journey um, that has exceeded our our dreams. But I, you know, I, I do believe that there's something that drives you there that you believe can be better than what's existing, mm-hmm. and that that propels you forward to try and solve something that is you know difficult to do. So you, you, you toggle between confidence and then complete insecurity. <laughs> Anyone who's built anything will, will tell you the same thing, I'm sure. Sure. You have moments where you have <laughs> tremendous conviction and belief, and then there are moments where you're like, oh, man, am I doing the right thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, I, I mean, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a healthy place to be. I think about that even in the context of sport and, and you know, lean on, on my sporting experience, and, and the short answer is, you, you know, it doesn't matter how many games you've won previously, you can lose the, in the upcoming game. So I think... Uh, the ability to, to stay really sort of humble is, I think, really, really important um, in the process of building a business. And, and I, you know, when I sit here now, there's, there's a lot of things that we've done well, but also many, many things that we need to, to do better. And, and particularly on the topic of sustainability, I think we're only just beginning to scratch the surface of what we need to do as a brand and a business. So what are the things, I have like three questions out of that answer. Uh, so in terms of being an athlete, what are some of the biggest lessons? You know, for me, you know, I was not a professional athlete, but I played basketball in college, and I always say, like, I learned so much about being an entrepreneur from from playing competitive sports than I ever did from school or anything else. Like, what do you? What are some of the takeaways that made you, you know, a better a better person, a better entrepreneur from playing professionally for a dozen years? Oh, I, I just, I mean, so many things. Um, the team, that feeling. I don't think there's anything better than being in a group of of people pointed towards something that's bigger than than yourselves and achieving goals that you've set. I just don't think there's a better feeling. And I and you know, I was very, very lucky to be part of some really special teams in sport and, and, and ones that particularly in the case of the World Cup Cup in two thousand and ten were able to achieve something quite special. There's no better feeling than than, than setting a goal with a group and then and then achieving that. And the idea of how we put the team together at Allbirds is sort of something that uh, consumes a lot of, of a lot of Joe and I's time, quite honestly. And we've got a you know a group of 150 plus people now in San Francisco uh, doing really remarkable things, and I'm I'm just so incredibly proud of it. And that feeling, you know, when you're a part of a group of people that are trying to solve a problem that's larger than themselves is is really really special. I, th- I think there's again the cliche of you know. Uh, maybe particularly in San Francisco, but more a workplace culture being like your family, I, mm-hmm. I kind of disagree with. I think at the end of the day, work is about performance, it's about high performance. It's often about honesty, it's often about pressure, but it's so much better when it's personal. Family, is a, it's about unequivocal love. Work is about performance and ultimately it can be difficult. And the best teams I've, I've been in have had you know, remarkable honesty about um, when things are going well and when they're, they're not, but equally a closeness. And um, I've, I feel very, very lucky at Allbirds to sort of have something very, very similar to that. I love that. We have a phrase here, performance family, mm-hmm. that uh, we borrowed from one of our investors. <laughs> but it, it, it speaks to it. You have to perform and to stay in the family. 
Yeah. And, and, it's, and if you're in the family, there's respect, there's love, there's all those things, there's honesty, but you need to perform. And respect and love sometimes is about, is about really uh, direct feedback and, and honesty about when things are going well and when they're not. And uh, I certainly, the, the best sporting teams I had, well, we were a part of, were remarkable in, in, in their ability to call out underperformance. Right. But equally remarkable for their ability to laugh about about that and to laugh about the challenge and the journey that you're on and to, to be very, very close. So also made up of different characters. And I think that's the other thing that, you know, a team, you know, by definition in sports, you, you know, in basketball, maybe everyone's tall, but some are taller and <laughs> oh, we got some short people, <laughs> some too. short people and some are fast and, and everyone's got a role to play. And I, I you know, I think about that, um, in the way that we've conceived of the team at Allbirds, there's people with vast experience and some with, you know, with, with none some you know who know lots about shoes and some who don't uh some who are extroverted many who are introverted that the, the, the mixture of people and, and the diversity of points of view and opinions and uh ranges of experience have have been central to our ability i think to move really quickly and, and take on a take on a big challenge so what are qualities you look for to hire and then qualities you look for where you say there's no way we can hire that person I, you know every company's different and I, th- I think you're, you're always looking for sort of the fit for the, the moment and the opportunity of, of where your business is and, and where that person is and whether those two sort of things sync up. Um, at its core, it's about high capability and, and low, low ego. Uh, Love that. And it's um, maybe... High it's, capability, low ego. I'm ma- repeating that one. It's a good one. Maybe it's that simple. And it's, of course, not because it's complicated and nuanced depending on the position and and well, a range of other factors but ultimately you know i i feel like if you if, if you buy in to the team first and you buy into what that team's trying to achieve and you make it about that first you're halfway there well i want to stay on sport for a, a moment because you're hitting so many things that resonate with me and i go to sport so it's like with sport there's certain things you can't teach mm-hmm. like for basketball i'd say you can't teach heat i teach height excuse me for soccer you can't teach speed like mm-hmm. there's certain things you can work on and like there's certain things with regards to mindset they're just hard to teach and there are other things you can like i can teach you you know to be better at accounting or other things but there's certain things with regards to mindset hard to teach the, the mindset is so important and from the very beginning we've tried to codify our values our mission um, we wrote a vision 10-year vision as an organization that we share with everyone that interviews uh, with us and we've we've tried to sort of say hey this is kind of where we're going and, and what we stand for and um, it's not right or wrong necessarily it's just we've we put this down and 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 if this is a fit great and if it if it's not then you know that's fine too but I, I really do think that the, the qualities of buying into the group and the collective have, have been really, really successful for us. And so one thing I think about a lot is adversity and what you learn from sport. I think when, th- when you're winning, just like life, things are a little, they're easier. But when you're losing, very easy to call, you know, blame someone, not be accountable. Like talk about adversity and what you've learned and how that's shaped you. I, as you know, I, I, I think sports can, you know, can be incredibly humbling. And I, you know, touched on it before, you know, you, you, you literally can be on fire flying, winning all these games, and then you, you can lose to the bottom team in the league. So that, that, that sense of humility, but also vigilance around yeah. your performance is super important. 
And also the, the other thing from sport, I mean, I'm coming in largely to a category, both Joey and I never had worked in shoes before or knew how really they were made and had to learn that. Um, neither of us have led businesses before. And I think that ability or that mindset of the athlete to kind of come in and, and, and take something that's really, really complicated in elite sporting performance and break it down to just sort of day by day, come in, get a little bit better. And that sort of have, has been our mentality and the way that we've approached it to Warbirds. And that ability to continuously improve, I think, has been really helpful because it compounds. And I think that that type of mindset can take you a long way. Um, and you don't try and do it all in a week. <laughs> you know, I, re- I remember some of the worst teams uh, that we, we would be in. You know, you'd lose a game and then you'd lose another game. And inevitably what would happen there'd be some sort of crisis meeting and the team would get called in and we'd go guys this isn't you know this is not good enough we've got to start winning this is super important our careers are on the line and we go out and train really well with a huge intensity and it would last for a week and you get a great result and then you revert back to the behavior that got you there in the first place and it's much much harder to just maintain that performance consistently do all the right things every day so that over time that's that that I think that's where I think kind of in, in my experience certainly from sport where kind of you know greatness is achieved is, is those habits and uh, performance not just in short bursts but over a long long period of time so you're an entrepreneur uh, you, you travel we've, we've talked about this you travel a, a shitload I remember you tell me you took a flight to Asia and your back was hurting so much you had to stand the whole flight I we've bonded over lower back pain <laughs> when we first met a while ago you've got a young daughter uh, how do you take care of yourself? Like, what? How? How does wellness? How does mindset? Uh, what's that role in your life? And and how does that make you a a better entrepreneur and CEO? And and how do you deal with the stress? How do you how do you find time to take care of you? Yeah, it's, well, I mean, I, and I'm not sure I have a perfect answer for that, except to say that it's really important. And for me, exercise is space. It's um, it's less about fitness and more about the one time when you're kind of alone and I use it as an uh, as as the as the thing that resets me mentally and I'll I'll go and and you know go for a run for 30 minutes and whatever problem I had before it is gone I've forgotten about it and uh, that is that is that that's what a run or or a little bout of exercise has has been for me and it's really really important when I don't do it I find something's missing um, and I also find I have less energy, all the things that you know and your audience will know. Uh, I tend to eat less well, all, all of those things. And But for me, it's about space and alone time. And so it's really important. And I I try and do something every other day. That's kind of my thing. It's not every day, there's, but every other day I, I, I need to kind of, you know, get a, a decent moment to kind of go exercise. And it's really, really important. Um, so it's, that, that would be the kind of the one the one sort of, thing that's a, a focus for me and really really important for my state of mind and my my performance as a you know as a part of the orbits team so running is like a moving meditation for you yep uh and I, i've never meditated or or, or really and um, you live in san francisco come on <laughs> i know i've never i feel never like everyone's you don't meditate you don't have a tesla like i don't <laughs> i mean yeah, it's always everyone sort of says oh you should meditate and i say oh, i don't have time for that and then that's part of the reason you should meditate in the first place <laughs> I, uh, no the, the exercise that, that's my thing um, everyone's got their own I wouldn't say that I've got all the answers but that's certainly been been uh, it's important for me and how do you in terms of mindset I want to like touch on that a little bit more because I loved a lot of what you said like what do you think is is a 
successful or say winning mindset for people out there who start business? A lot of people start businesses every year and most of them are not successful and it's a grind. What do you think is necessary in terms of mindset that you see yeah, people who are successful? It's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I, I mean, for me, I mean, a cu- couple of sort of thoughts on, on, on that. I mean, one, uh, having a partner, Joey has been critical you know, I started the, the the problem initially was kind of mine, and I set out to build this thing, and it's it's only got, got great since Joe and I teamed up, and we're very we're very different, and we have different skill sets, and that's been the moment where where this where this got really fun. It was very very hard doing it by yourself, and I I'm sure some people can, and many have. For me, uh, the partnership was really really important, and then the second thing is is feedback, and I think anyone that's trying to bring something into the world sort of by definition is going to get feedback on that. And I think there's a lot of discussion and a lot of people talk about the importance of feedback and seeking feedback with an idea or whatever it is that you're trying to build. And it's very, very important. And if you don't do that, you're dumb. <laughs> equally, you're equally as dumb if you listen too much to it. And I think that's talked about less. And the number of experts that, that uh, we've bumped into over the years that have told us what we were trying to do was impossible and the ability to toggle between, you know, again, confidence and humility uh, to, to listen intently but also to ignore, um, I it's think hard. Is, 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 is hard and something you need to develop an instinct for. But ultimately, if, if we'd listened to, to all the feedback, then um, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in talking about balancing all this and mindset, how do you do it with family too? You're married, you have a young daughter. Like how, how does partnership, how, do, how does that work? How do you do it all? I, I, I don't think you do. I, I, um, and, and I used to think that I was empathetic to, to being a parent before I was one and I was miles away from it. And it's just been incredibly humbling and the hardest thing I've ever done. And I, you know, the short answer is, and, and any parent I'm sure would, would, would testify to this, you, you kind of you feel like you're running around not doing anything quite as well as you could have. And it's wonderful and, uh, and very, very special, and I feel very, very lucky, um, and it's difficult. So there, there is no answer, and I, I, anyone maybe who tells you that there is one is probably, <laughs> is, prob- is probably lying. That's maybe my experience. So going back to Allbirds, you know, there's something so special about the brand. We're like, our, our little daughter wears Allbirds, and my mother-in-law wears Allbirds. Like, what is it about the brand that you think is transcending age groups, demographics, like what, what, what is it that you think that people are responding to? Yeah, I, I think the short answer is a thousand things. Um, and I think if we've, we've done, you know, we've cared about all the details and I think that matters. And in the same way that you're preparing for a, a game on the weekend in a professional sports setting, all those details matter and they add up ultimately to your performance and you might not know that. And I think whether it be from packaging to customer service to what we do as a brand when the size of the shoe that you ordered is wrong, all of those things add up, I think, to an overall experience. And we've, you know, not to say that we've got them all right, but we've certainly cared about them. And I think that's made a difference. I also think as a, a brand and a business, we've had a very, very clear sense of what we stand for and the purpose around what we, what, what, why we've, we've started the business beyond making and selling a product. And I think we've also worked out what we're not. I think there's a very, very clear sense of doing a few things and doing it really well. And uh, we, we're about simple design and comfort. We sold one shoe for the first 14 months. Yes. 
And you, you still don't do size 15. I'm going to call that out. Every time I see you, I say, when are you going to do the size 15s? Well, it's it's interesting because it's not traditionally how the footwear space. People uh, don't make shoes for me. It's okay. I um yeah I'm we need to fix that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We no, need you to don't. Fix that. I'm like I don't even know what percentage of the population I am, but I but if you're talking about simplicity and focus, you that, know, don't focus on me. That's totally fair. That's totally fair <laughs> feedback. The um I, I think at the end of the day, we, we've tried to keep a, a sense of humor in the brand and the, and a lightness to the spirit of how we've tried to make our products and. Look, it's really humbling to see sort of how widely it's been adopted. So great brands, and I would say you have a great brand. Like they, they, they evoke emotion, they evoke feeling, they are statements for people like the same way. So what do you think people who are all, like what do you think is, you know, someone who's wearing all birds, like what does that say about them? You know, I, what do they? What do you think? I, I mean, I, I think we've done some things right. We've got a long way to go as, as, as to, to be called a great brand, certainly. But I mean, I feel like, we we've had the courage to have a point of view um and I, I sort of liken that to you and i going for dinner on a friday night and uh you suggest uh, a local italian restaurant and we show up and you say don't worry tim i'm going to order i know this place i love this place i come here all the time and you order and you take care of it and we have this wonderful evening because you've had the courage to have a point of view and a wave of relief comes over me because it's one less choice <laughs> that i've had to make during during my day and that sense of a, of a brand, you know, having the courage to do one or two things really well and have a point of view, I think is really important. And I think the brands that are doing that at the moment, particularly in a direct-to-consumer sort of context, are, are, are having some success. I also sort of think you give room for people to tell their own story on top of your brand. Sure. You're, not, you're not giving them all the answers. And I think, um, you know, we've, we've tried to, to, to make a great product. We've tried to make it comfortable, simple, and then let people go and run and, and do different things with that and tell their own stories on top of it. Um, and it's been so, that's been one of the great joys of this as you see little product being adopted widely by people that you never thought would be interested in all sorts of different ways, and that's been amazing. You need to kind of create room for that to happen. Sure. But, it, but to do that is really hard. If you think about it, you're, you're giving people room and usually great brands like have, you talk about strong point of view and giving someone room they're almost at the opposite ends and that and that's very hard to do yeah i mean but i i think all i mean all of these things are about tensions because i think the great brands implicitly are about standing for one thing i mean that's really sure. largely what a brand is one thing consistency always the same and then equally the great brands somehow manage to do that but always change and be sure. unpredictable so there's tensions between those two things, and we're talking very much about the art of building a, a brand and a business. And, and um, you know, I think I think what we've tried to do is um, keep it simple and not try and think about it too much. That's good advice for life. I'll repeat that: <laughs> keep it simple and keep not think simple. about it too much. So, what is net? Like, what talk about? Okay, you launch with one shoe, and then where are you today? And then where are you going in terms of? categories colors retail locations just wh where are you going in the next like year well what i mean by the simplicity piece is it's important i mean it, it, again simplicity is hard yeah. and you know the idea that we were going to launch with one shoe is a great idea assuming that people like that one shoe and we went through hundreds of prototypes literally hundreds to arrive on the one silhouette that was right for us and then equally in terms of what we stand for as a brand you know i, I kind of reel off simple design comfort and sustainability but that took years 
to work out that these were the three things that were the, the non-negotiable pillars of the brand. And so once you kind of work that out and you find out what you stand for and you, you understand the DNA of the business and the brand that you're trying to build, it's the courage to, to, to just leave it there. And that's what I mean about simplicity, to not try and make something for everyone try and just focus on on, on on the real really really simple tenets of what you stand for and why you started this and it's very very hard to do in some ways yeah um, but ultimately I think it has been part of our approach and, and maybe it's part of the reason we, we've had some success so but what 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 is in the future beyond shoe? Like, where are you going with shoe? Like, when you say simple comfort and sustainability, I'm like, you could do houses. Totally. And, and, <laughs> and I'm that, like, I live in a house that was simple, comfort, and sustainable. But like, again, I mean, that's, that's the sort of tension. That, that, I mean, that's, that for me is, is like a huge compliment you've just paid. Because on the one hand, we're incredibly focused on just doing a couple of things. And on the other hand, it could be anything. And so the juxtaposition of those two ideas is really, really important. And we are insanely focused on the few products that we sell. And we, I think there's four or maybe possibly five styles now. Um, we've made 27 changes, I think, to the Wool Runner since we launched it in something more akin to software updates than traditionally how footwear operates. We've, <laughs> we've never had version one, two, or three. There's just been one, and we've improved it relentlessly. Um, and then, you know, uh, beyond that, we've, uh, you know, at the core of what the business is about is, is material innovation. So we've added different material solutions when we found different consumer problems. So we started with wool, we added eucalyptus fiber because we discovered that when the weather got really hot, wool was not as good as it could be. So we found eucalyptus fiber, which has a cooling quality as a material. And so anchoring this in consumer problems and focusing on those is really, I think, the the, the, the guidepost for where you want to go. And we're slowly as we we get more bandwidth, capability, more confidence in our ability to execute. Then we, you know, we open up the lens on, on what that could so be. So shoes for now, still. Shoes for now, yeah. And then talk about retail locations. So we've uh, we stumbled into retail in some ways. We had a, a store below our office in San Francisco, and it was really successful. Um, and we've added one in uh, New York that was a pop up that's now turned into a, a flagship location um, in Soho, and it's it's been fantastic for us and uh, recently launched in Covent Garden in London. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, retail is, has, has been a really important, um, you know, part of, of, of the last year and will become increasingly so through, through next year. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think people from childhood will remember trying on shoes. They'll remember that. Sure, the smell, the whole thing. The, the smell experience. and the, the weird metal thing that no one, kno- <laughs> no one knows the name of that you use to fit and size your shoes. And, uh, and so the, the ability for us as a brand to step back and imagine what a retail experience would, would be like for Allbirds has been really fun. And I'm, I'm really, really proud of, of, of how that's been built. So what trends are you seeing right now in terms of sustainability, wellness, retail, consumer, just anything? I'm curious. I, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll probably come back to the earlier point. I, I think the brands that are having the courage to have a point of view to, to do one or two things really, really well. Um, are winning. I think um, this direct-to-consumer story is really um, interesting, and it's about putting the customer at the center of the experience. Um, so I, I think that that revolution is is happening, and I think is only just in the beginning of of kind of upending, um, you know, these categories that for so long have had retailers in between the customer. I think uh, the sustainability conversation is 
I think, the problem of our generation in some ways. So I think the businesses, particularly in fashion, but more broadly, I think the businesses that are starting to put that front and centre, make it a non-negotiable, are the ones that are, are the ones that are ultimately going to win in the long run. Because I, I believe there is a there is a cost for carbon, and that's coming. I think that I'm with. I'm buying all this. Okay. So Sold. I agree. So any any great reads recently? Any great books? Um, I'm reading Walter Isaacson's book on Da Vinci at the moment. Really interesting. But uh, Danny Myers setting the table. Great book. Have you read that one? Every great restaurant starts with a great lease. I really. It's a good, it's a good retail lesson. I, uh, <laughs> I I thought that was really when I when I think about business books that one always jumps jumps to mind and there's this wonderful anecdote there around literally setting the table and the the story of just showing up every day and taking enormous pride in the service and the experience and being okay that that's what you have to do every day you got to show up and you got to perform. And I, I took that, and, and within the restaurant industry, that's especially true. But for anyone, I think who's building a business, you don't, you've got to, you've got to show up, and you've got to get a little bit better. And customer centric. Totally, yeah. Customer centric. So I, I, for anyone who, who uh, I, I think that's worth a read. Do you agree with that? I totally. The yeah. other thing that's fascinating about him is like that guy evolved and pivoted. He's he went from super fine dining to Shake Shack. Sure. And now is trying to like get a little bit healthier there. And he's, we had, uh, do you know Tender Greens? Yes. So we had Eric, one of the founders of Tender Greens on Correct. the podcast. That's his main investor and just like speaks so highly of him. But like talk about a guy who's reinvented and pivoted within an industry as it's changed. Yeah, I, I just thought, I just, yeah. And the resilience <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. the calculated risk taking and all, all of those Humble things. Humble beginnings, T- grew up in like St. Louis. Father, I think was a failed entrepreneur, I want to say. Yeah, no, yeah. I, that, that was a good one. Yeah. So what keeps you up at night? And on the flip side, what has you excited every morning? Oh, the, the, the short answer is everything. I mean, I think, you, you know, the, the, building a business and a, and, a, and, and a brand is hard, and it should be. And uh, so you're always, if, um, you're always, if you're doing it right, I think, thinking about the 10 things you could be doing better at any given time. And, um, you know, certainly uh, that sort of, we, you know, we've 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 had some success and so much further to go and so many more things to to, to do. The, the coming in, I re, I mean, again, that team thing. I'll come back to it, but I that's the group of people we've assembled is really special, and uh, and that's the fun the fun bit. And we're, we're tackling something that's serious and hard, but uh, there's a lot of laughter and um, that sense of being part of part of that team is is I, I don't, there's I, there's nothing better than that. And what about uh, if you could go back in time, give young Tim Brown advice in his early twenties? What advice would that be? Oh gosh, keep going. Trust your instincts. I uh, the number of times I nearly I nearly sort of quit, and if it wasn't for people close to me, particularly my family, girlfriend now wife, to just keep on going, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have got here. And and uh, and and, and um, tr- trusted trusted my instincts even more than maybe I have. Surrounded myself with people that I, I want to hang out with that inspire me. I think sometimes it took a long time to kind of work that out to sort of say no to the way that I kind of you know you know designed my life and um, so the confidence maybe to do that. Um, but look, I, I just feel very very lucky um, that the, the journey that I've had you know through sport and then now with the business and uh, the people that I've met and uh, are now you know working with and 
family, all those things. I feel, I feel very lucky. Can you talk about saying no a bit more? It's something I'm, I'm learning to do and uh, I'm hearing a lot yeah, from, I, from a lot of people who are successful. I think there's an art to that. I don't know that, you know, I, I have all the answers by any, uh, any stretch, but I, you know, you've got a, a hundred units of energy, call it, and how you deploy those is very, very important. And you need to to think carefully about about where they where they go, and the vast majority will will be for family. I think if you're doing it right, that's true. And then there'll be work, and then there's friends, and and how you think about that is is something that you need to just be careful with. And sure. I think it's very very easy to deploy those points of energy if you follow my metaphor through uh, in the wrong space. Sure. And so you have to think about that, especially in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, <laughs> someone told me, I mean, I, uh, there's always another email to write. There's always another thing to do. And, you know, I think if we go back to sport, I, I, mean, I think the rest is just as important as the performance. And so you need to be, you just need to be thoughtful about your use of time to maximize that performance. And again, that's something that I, I, I look, I'm, I think a lot about. I'm certainly not sure I have all the answers, but I think being intentional about, about the way you use your time and, and when you work and how you work is, is sort of really important. Amen to that. Yep. Tim Brown, thanks so much. Real pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, guys. Thanks.